Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. When you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army larger than your own, you shall not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1. Christians' ability to speak out and live out the Word of God is under assault from the secular left today. It appears they are seeking to remove any trace of God or His people from the culture. I'd suggest that the ongoing assault against President Trump is actually part of this. In order to understand why this is the case, let's go back and take a look at what the left has done to Trump in light of the attacks on other Republican presidents before him. So that's what we're going to talk today about on episode 91 of the Liberty Cafe. Hi, I'm Bill Peacock, and welcome again to the Liberty Cafe. I'm blessed to have you here with me, as I always am, and also blessed to have Texas Scorecard as a sponsor of the Liberty Cafe. So please go over to texasscorecard.com, like I do, and read about what's going on there. Listen to the podcast, watch the shows read the articles, and find out more about the fight for liberty here in Texas and in the United States. Uh, speaking of uh, going over to Texas Scorecard, I, I have an article online. just went up today, so if you're listening to this on Wednesday when the podcast come out, that would be, uh, it would have been yesterday when the article came out. And it was an article that, that kind of worked through some of the uh, concepts that this gentleman named George Perry published in the American Spectator, uh, the Democrats' looming trial and conviction of Donald Trump. I was supposed to have uh, Mr. Perry on the on the show today, but he has some family uh, responsibilities that that took him away from his ability to to be on the Liberty Cafe today. So I thought what I'd do is just um, take the article and talk some more about what's in the article and add some things to it, and have that be our, our topic for the day. So this article was written by Mr. Perry about, uh, about the week, a week before the raid on Donald Trump's home by the FBI down in Florida. Although I guess we're not supposed to call it a raid today. It was a search because the FBI wasn't wearing FBI raid jackets or something. I'm not sure. But whatever the problem is, or whatever you want to call it, Perry wrote this article about a week before, and I thought he was very prescient, not just in light of the raid that followed up, but, but just of explaining to us why it seems inevitable that the Democrats are going to uh, not just investigate, but indict President Trump and, and very possibly, very even likely, convict him. So he walked through these things, and, and I just want to go through this because I, I, I think it's important for us to do that and really understand where we're going, particularly as Christians, and to see how this plays into um, how Christians are also under assault. So let me just start with an, uh, a brief excerpt from Mr. Perry's article. We intend, and, this, and he starts with a quote from Merrick Garland, the Attorney General of the United States. We intend to hold everyone, says Garland, anyone who is criminally responsible for the events surrounding January 6th 
for any attempt to interfere with the lawful transfer of power from one administration to another accountable. Then Perry writes, Who's he kidding? Garland made it sound as if there was a chance that Trump might not be arrested and prosecuted. But to anyone who's been paying attention, the intention of the Democratic-controlled federal government has always been and remains to be the legalized destruction of Donald Trump. It is, in fact, the whole purpose behind the illegally constituted January 6th committee-style Soviet show, its contempt citations of Trump administration officials, and follow-up supporting criminal cases by the FBI and Justice Department. So before we look at what Mr. Perry says, I want us to go back a little bit and, and look at the history of Democrats' assaults on sitting U.S. Republican presidents and their attempts to overthrow the previous presidential election. Now, I know that's not in vogue today, but it's because that's why all these people are getting in trouble. But that's what Democrats have doing been doing at least as far back as Richard Nixon. It's the same playbook that the Democrats have been following for decades. So, for instance, let's look at what the Democrats did with Nixon. They took some clearly illegal activities from Nixon, AIDS, without Nixon's knowledge or support, and managed to parlay, parlay that into overturning the results of a presidential election in which Nixon won 97% of the electoral vote. Blew him away in the electoral vote, blew away, um, he, he beat um, George McGovern in this election, blew him away in the popular vote, None of this half and half, you know, electoral victory, but popular vote loss. I mean, America went over completely for Richard Nixon. Only one state, I think, was it Massachusetts and then the District of Columbia, went for McGovern. Everybody else went for Nixon. Yet the Democrats managed to twist and distort the evidence so badly that even Nixon thought he had engaged in a cover-up. The truth of the matter, no, is that he had not. And uh, I don't have time to go through the whole thing here, but I would highly recommend, if you're interested in finding out the truth about this, because I think it makes it Watergate very relevant to what the Democrats are doing today, because it's a, what they did to Nixon, they're doing to Trump now. They've been doing it, and they're continuing to do to Trump. So go back and read uh, George Shepard's book. You can find it on Amazon or anywhere, anywhere else. It's called The Nixon Conspiracy, Watergate, and the Plot to Remove the President. And he, he was in the Nixon administration, not real high up, but got fairly involved in all the follow-up on Watergate before Nixon, after the, all the crime had been committed, but before Nixon resigned. And he makes a compelling case that Nixon did no wrong, at least from a criminal perspective. You know, again, he, he didn't authorize any crimes, and he didn't cover them up. Yet, he had to resign. The results of an American election of a president was overturned by the Democrats' assault on our democracy. Democrats didn't stop with Nixon, though. The next thing we have is, is Ronald Reagan coming. And first, it was the October surprise. So, to make it really quick, Jimmy Carter was president, the Iranians had captured American hostages by taking over the Iranian American embassy in Iran. And for days, I mean, hundred 
plus days. I can't remember how long it went. Maybe it was 200 days. All during the election, they had these hostages. And then the day of the inauguration of Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush, the Iranians arrested them because they knew they could, they'd gotten away with doing this, holding American citizens hostage during the Carter administration, but that wasn't going to work for Ronald Reagan. And so they, they released them. Well, the, the Democrats, the progressive, comes up with this wild fantasy that George H.W. Bush, who had previously been the head of the CIA, managed to um, get a hold of an SR-71 spy plane. I think it's the fastest airplane, jet airplane, that's ever been flown, and it can fly you know, 10, I mean, 50, 60, 70,000 feet in the sky, maybe higher. And the flight time from D.C. or wherever they keep these things over to Paris is an hour and a half or two, something like that. And so they allege that Bush got in one of these planes using his CIA contacts and that nobody else in the CIA, you know, because remember, Democrats were running the government back then. So none of the Democrats in the CIA or the military or anybody else that monitors intelligence or air defense or anything else saw this SR-71 flying over to Paris, negotiated with the Iranians that they wouldn't release the hostages until after the election so that Reagan and Bush had a better chance of winning, then got back on the plane, flew back, was gone for six or eight hours, something like that, and then they won the election because of this. Well, that didn't get a lot of traction during the Reagan administration, but where they did get some traction was they had the Iran-Contra hearings, and it gets all complex and not enough time to go over it all here, but basically Congress passes some unconstitutional laws, maybe some were constitutional, some weren't, about how Nixon could conduct foreign policy down in Central America. He's the President of the United States. In the Constitution, he has the authority to conduct wars and to engage in international diplomacy, but they were trying to restrict him on that. And then when his administration, they did some of the things that Congress asked him to do, but they didn't do all of it. Then they had these big Iran-Contra hearings. Again, they're trying to set him up. They pass unconstitutional stuff, do unconstitutional things, and then they go after Reagan. right? So Reagan survives that, but it really handicaps the last two years of his administration, just like they did with the Russia hoax in the, the first two years, really the whole thing, with the Trump administration. And it wasn't enough even, it was perfectly timed, but wasn't enough to keep Bush from being elected president in 1988 after Reagan when Reagan was leaving office. But once Bush got elected again, or elected in 88, he had to run for election in 92. And that's when the Democrats brought up the October surprise hoax again. And, I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. But it received so much coverage in the mainstream press and misinformation, that wouldn't surprise anybody, given what we know today, that at, at the, a January... 1992 poll showed that 55% of Americans actually believed that he flew in this airplane to go negotiate with the Iranians. And, of course, he lost the 1992 election. Now, he had his own problems, including lying to the American people when he said, read my lips, no new taxes, and then two years later in 1990 decided to have the largest tax increase in American history. So, 
maybe the October surprise didn't completely undo Bush, but it certainly contributed to his loss. And then, you know, we have some years of Carter, I mean, not Carter, but Clinton, and then George W. becomes president. And as we all know, 9-11 happened and the bombs and the airplanes and all that kind of stuff into the World Trade Tower. And then we go to war in Afghanistan and then we go to war in Iraq. Now, I don't think we should have gone to war in Iraq, but the Democrats accused Bush, and, and most people have heard of this, of course, of making up the information about weapons of mass destruction that Saddam Hussein had. And I, I don't think that Bush would have done that. I don't think he did do it. I think most rational people don't believe that he did it. But rationality hasn't really meant a whole lot, or logic or truth or anything else hasn't meant a whole lot to Democrats of late. And so Rep, U.S. Rep. Dennis Kucinich, along with 11 co-sponsors, filed articles of impeachment against him because of this weapons of mass destruction and in, in the invasion of Iraq. So you can see here, again, is an attempt by Democrats to overturn, in, in, in this case, I think it was the 2004 election of President George W. Bush. So that brings us back to today, right? The with Trump. Well, not actually today. Let's go back to 2016 because when it when it comes to that point in time, the Democrats got started promoting misinformation well before Trump won the Republican nomination. And the efforts to prevent him, prevent him from getting elected and overturning the election results and prevent him from being reelected were nonstop during that period and, and were well documented and we don't need to go through them here. But it, I think it really is worthwhile for us Republicans and conservatives and Christians to kind of follow along with Perry's explanation of why the prosecution of Trump now and probably conviction is seemingly inevitable. So Perry begins in his article by explaining, and I'll read it here, a simple application of the basic criteria of criminological analysis points directly to the high likelihood of Trump's prosecution. Those elements are motive, means, and opportunity. As explained below, the leftist ideologues in control of the federal government have the motive, the means, and the opportunity to arrest, prosecute, convict, and quite possibly imprison Trump. So he goes through these three things for us, and I thought we'd just go through them here as well. So when it comes to motive, Perry writes, the Biden regime and the Democratic Party fear Trump and correctly perceive him as a major obstacle to their goal of, in the words of President Barack Obama, fundamentally transforming America. We, we've all seen what that is like over the last few years. Back to Perry, this was, of course, the reason for the congressional Democrats' multiple impeachments of him. Moreover, with every passing day, the Biden regime becomes increasingly desperate and concomitantly more reckless as its political support rapidly and exorably plummets to historically low levels. Of course, it's pretty interesting. In about, I guess it was maybe three or four weeks ago, all of a sudden Democrats, after really talking very poorly about Biden for most of his administration, all of a sudden have started saying, boy, what a successful guy he is. 
And then just this morning, I saw a piece from the New York Times talking about how functional and how productive Congress has been. So, of course, right around the corner of midterms, and, and you know they can't eat their own for too long. At least they've got to start propping up the Democrats in Congress and Biden so they can get reelected and maybe strengthen their majority in the House and Senate and then go do some really bad, terrible things to the rest of us. So, but they, they think that, so they, they still need something to deflect our attention to, to keep us from really seeing the truth. And then, of course, they also are using this to just beat up against Trump and his supporters, right? And anybody who might follow along Trump in his efforts to, you know, overthrow the progressive agenda. So anyway, that, that's at least what the Democrats appear to believe. When it comes to means, Perry writes that the Democrats have access to a, quote, politicized FBI and Department of Justice that have already colluded with them to smear and undermine Trump, his associates, and his administration, while simultaneously protecting and running interference on behalf of Hillary Clinton, Hunter Biden, and, of course, Joe Biden, the big guy. In short a corrupt federal law enforcement establishment with a proven anti-Trump record stands ready to do the bidding of its political masters in the Biden White House. Then as far as opportunity, the last time, the last factor here, Perry writes, to convict Trump, the FBI and the DOJ don't need a strong or even plausible evidence of guilt. Why? Because the charges against him would be filed in the District of Columbia, which has a jury pool ready, willing, and able to convict Trump on the thinnest of pretext if the hated and demonized former president went to trial in Washington. Does anyone believe that a D.C. jury would accord him the presumption of innocence or fairly and impartially decide his fate? So that's the case that Perry makes, and I, I think it's actually compelling so why does this matter to Christians? Why should we care if Donald Trump gets convicted of a crime here? Well, I would suggest that even on its own, forget looking back to the other activities, the other actions against former Republican presidents, but even on its own, the pursuit of Trump should be just antithetical to, to, to Christian ethics and biblical public policy. So d despite the advice of people like David French, uh, who, who tells us we need to take a wait-and-see approach before coming to a conclusion about any of this, whether it's the merits of the January 6 hearings or the New York Attorney General's actions to take down Trump or the, even the raid on Trump's home, I mean, how many more lies and star chamber hearings and dossiers fake dossiers do we see need to see before really coming to a decision about all this. And then you put the Trump actions against Trump in the bigger context of the efforts to manipulate or overturn the election of every Republican president since Dwight Eisenhower. Right? Christians should really understand that it's the biblical structure of our government and, and, the, and a culture built on God's word that is the focus of the efforts to remove uh, Donald Trump from the political scene. So, you know, let me play that out just a little bit, work that out, because 
the, the constitutional structures that we have here in our government all come from the Bible, particularly the how the founding fathers of our country were influenced by the Augustine's descriptions of moral depravity of men enslaved to their sin, which comes right out of the Bible itself, Paul and Romans and other places. And so they put in all these the system of federalism, checks and balances, enumerated powers, all these kind of things were put into place to deal with that. The Democrats just want to get rid of all those kind of things and consolidate power, right? Additionally, uh, all these, the structure was put in place because of the strong influence of covenant theology of people like uh, Martin Luther and John Calvin and Samuel Rutherford, who, who really believed, and I think this is very accurate, in the covenantal nature of our government with God. Yes, it says we the people of the United States, but you go back into their beliefs and the Declaration of Independence, there, there's a strong indication of a covenant relationship with God, and we owe him our loyalty first, and he is the true leader of our government. And, and they also believe that this, the only path to civil liberty is through Christian liberty, that when you know, we are set free from sin and be- become slaves of righteousness rather than these slaves to sin, when we have a people like that, we can have a free people and a free government. But you need the covenantal nature of the structure of government to help translate this Christian liberty into civil liberty. So the, the efforts of the secular left are to essentially create a tyranny by restructuring our government and getting rid of all those protections against tyranny and then rendering our elections meaningless. Right? If we elect somebody they don't like, Here comes the next star chamber, the next dossier, the next impeachment hearing, the next January 6th hearing, whatever it is going to be, the next October surprise. And this should be of great concern to all Christians, regardless of their feelings about Trump. Now, there are those Christians who can't see this. For those, I suggest we just need to pray for them. But for those of us who can see what is happening— even in the midst of this turmoil, and even if things get worse, we can take comfort in our situation today that the Lord our God is with us. And going back to the the passage I opened with today, if God could defeat the armies of the Nephilim giants and other great kingdoms that sought to keep Israel out of the Promised Land when, when they invaded, he can certainly defeat the forces of the the FBI or the CIA or whatever other troops the administrative state or the deep state can throw at us, no matter how big they may seem to us. That's if he chooses to do that. Now, he may not choose to do that at this point in time. America might not be here for the long run. We don't know that. But whatever he decides to do with America, we can be confident that, that one day— or that that not just one day, but now and into the future, God will keep his promises to Abraham. One day, we will look around this world, and God's people will be as many as the stars of the heaven, and they'll be filling and blessing and having dominion over all the earth. Well, thank you very much for joining me today on episode 91 of the Liberty Cafe, and thanks once again 
as always, to our sponsor, Texas Scorecard. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Cafe with Bill Peacock. This show is produced by Texas Scorecard. You can learn more about this show and find other shows at texasscorecard.com. Be sure you subscribe and rate the show on whatever platform you listen on. See you next time.